Hey Jess, should I buy a house ASAP to avoid throwing money away on rent? Only if you want to throw money away at something else entirely. Welcome to Fleece Fest, where we talk about dumb things your parents told you instead of helping you by actually paying for your college. I'm Jessica, and I prefer to throw my money directly in the trash. Thank you very much. I'm Dan, and Jess, why would you throw your black Amex in the trash? <laughs> Apparently, Dan has a titanium spoon instead of a silver one. Okay, so really, is paying rent throwing money away? This is something I've heard many times, but, you know, all my favorite authors and financial influencers like Ramit Sethi and uh, Dave Ramsey and Robert Kiyosaki say it is or isn't, or it is, but only if Mercury is in retrograde. I'm not really sure who to believe here. (laughs) How painful painful was it for you to say those names, Dan? I die a little bit on the inside every single time I even have to paraphrase influencers. I'll be honest today, this episode is going to be a prelude on another topic that drives me batshit crazy, and that's rent is passive income and super easy. But before we dive into that in another episode, let's lay some groundwork. I think this is something that a lot of influencers do agree on, although perhaps for maybe the wrong reasons, but it's a topic that keeps coming up, especially in today's economic environment. It's a genre of influencer advice that's really easy to give, telling people what they want to hear, but in a way that tells people on both sides of the conversation that they can hear what they want to hear. You should rent if you can't afford to buy. You should buy if you can afford to. Buying is a bad idea if you can't afford it. Renting is a bad idea if you can afford to own. But it depends. It depends. It depends. It depends. I'm going to fall asleep every night saying that. That's just like my whole life right now. <laughs> but I, look, I really feel for people right now. We've seen unprecedented growth in the real estate market since the pandemic. And with the rise of interest rates, they haven't seemed to stop making much of a debt in supply and price. I've talked to a lot of people right now who are panicking and they feel like they're going to miss out if they don't buy a house right now. And I get it. For those who purchased between 2020 and you know, 2022, things look pretty good, Right. Although, hey, they might not be as great as they seem, which we'll talk about a little bit later. The idea that rent is throwing money away is driven by a few fallacies. One, that you aren't getting anything back when renting. Two, that your money isn't building equity when renting. Three, that real estate always goes up. And four, that you can always sell your house if you need to move. And of course, those are all assumptions. And you know what they say about assumptions. I know, I know. It makes an ass out of you and me, obviously. So let's talk about the fallacies of renting is wasting money. Fallacy one, you aren't getting anything for your money. I mean, this one's really obvious, people. You are most certainly getting something, namely a roof over your head. This one has a parallel on the insurance side where people will call term life insurance renting insurance derisively as compared to buying insurance with permanent policies. The irony being the people who rent their life insurance are going to end out way ahead in most cases. <laughs> you know that phrase that all roads lead to Rome? In your case, Dan, it's like all roads lead to insurance. <laughs> because spending way more on a permanent policy than term policy instead of saving dis- difference is probably not a strong wealth building activity. But isn't the parallel argument in real estate that buying a home is forced saving? I mean, it sure is. But as we've seen many times before, buying a home doesn't automatically mean that you're building equity. Which leads us to fallacy number two. Your money isn't building equity for you when renting. And along the same vein, you're only growing your landlord's equity and not your own. 
While it might be true that your money isn't building equity for you while renting, this fallacy assumes that equity is being built for someone. First off, let me just say, homeownership is fucking expensive. (laughs) That's true if you were a homeowner or a landlord at the end of the day. And unless you've been blessed with some huge of money, more than likely you're going to have a mortgage. And sure, a portion of your mortgage payment is in theory going towards the equity in your home, but a huge chunk is going to interest payments, especially early on, and real estate taxes. And thanks to the Tax Cuts and Jobs Act passed in 2017, many people don't even get to deduct these off their taxes. And that's just the financing cost of a home. A lot of mortgage brokers will pre-qualify anyone and give them a maximum loan amount, which can trick people into buying homes they can't really afford or that are far more home than they actually need. So they end up house poor. Of course, by extension then, that never even begins to account for the actual day-to-day costs of owning a home. Every single mortgage pre-approval I've seen in the past few years has been for amounts way over that person's budget. There's a lot that keeps me up at night, which is a downside of my job, but this has got to be one of the biggest. I worry about the people who are overextended on their mortgages and what that means for our economy in the long term. But prognostication aside, there's more to the expensive shit sandwich that is owning a home. Enter maintenance and repairs. Yeah, so unrelated to that, uh, does anyone know a good landscaper, house cleaner, furnace filter replacer, gutter cleaner, and snow shoveler in Longmont, Colorado? Asking for a friend. (laughs) I'll be right over, Dan. That'll be $400 an hour. Thank you very much. So here's a pretty common scenario. You finally get a house you like, but you pull almost everything from savings for the down payment. You waived inspections because that's what you need to do these days to get a house in some markets. The first few months go great, right? But then shit starts breaking. You have no emergency fund because you've used everything for your down payment, and you haven't been able to refill it because a huge chunk of your take-home pay is going to your mortgage. You're forced to borrow money again, more than likely, and your stress goes up. And here's the thing. You've got maintenance and repairs no matter what. Mowing the lawn, painting, replacing carpets, heck, even just how much more electricity and gas it takes to cool or heat a house versus an apartment. It's just that people aren't mentally including these costs when they think of how much money they make when they sell their homes. Exactly. Plus all the stuff you need to do to make your house just how you want it, right? And these repair and maintenance costs aren't exclusive to old homes. New home construction can be pretty shoddy too, depending on the developer. But most of the nightmares that I hear about these days are from house flippers. Please, for the love of the flying spaghetti monster, do not ever, ever, ever waive an inspection. May you be blessed by his noodly appendage with a good inspector. Uh, But seriously, do not waive inspections. People were doing this the past two years out here in Colorado and in other competitive markets because of how competitive the markets got. And I don't know anyone that did it that hasn't regretted it, right? There's all, houses are just too big, too complicated to not have at least one thing wrong with them, let alone several things. Ramen. And if it sounds like I'm being salty about this, Dan, (laughs) I am, right? Full disclosure, I love my house. I love it. I bought it at that sweet, sweet time when housing prices were still low in the pandemic and interest rates were still at the bottom. From a timing perspective, the stars aligned, right? I did not leave an inspection. I got the list of the issues that the house had, negotiated on that, et cetera, et cetera. We knew the roof needed to be replaced in a few years. Fast forward, it's now a few years later. And so we got a quote for our roof replacement. Turns out it's going to be triple the cost that we anticipated. And before you ask, yes, I did get lots of quotes on this. Have you considered not having a roof? (laughs) Yes, at that price point, yes, I have considered it. Thank you. Um, But back to the topic at hand. 
you know, we're also finally assuming that your equity is growing. Uh, and that's fallacy number three, that real estate always goes up. Okay, Jess, Jess, you're kidding, of course. No one has ever lost money on real estate, right? Surely this tangible, ultra-secure asset that I can literally touch and feel and see and taste, if I'm so inclined, has never possibly suffered a setback or an economic hardship. Every house in Detroit is selling for 10x valuations minimum, right? Right, yeah. It never it never goes down. It's just like gold. It's just a you know, perfect investment asset. Uh, yeah, although we definitely know that this is not true, okay? Uh, while real estate can be fairly stable, it's not a given. Anyone remember 2008? Anyone? Bueller? Only only the old people remember that, Jess. <laughs> har har. Uh, anyway, real estate is definitely subject to volatility. And before you say, but Jess, in the long term, it goes up. I say, yes, yes, thank you for making my point for me. Buying a house is like investing in the stock market. It's best done when it's holding for the long term. But statistically, home buyers sell and rebuy about every five to six years, don't they? I mean, there's tons of practical life reasons that this kind of transition can happen, right? Job change, family growth, all, all sorts of things. Um, you know, I, but I even know a real estate agent who is on their third home in less than five years. And there have been no life events like marriage, divorce, or new kids or kids moving out to actually warrant the changes. God, just moving alone. That that sounds exhausting. I don't I, like I don't ever want to move again, just because I don't want to unbox everything again. <laughs> I don't blame you. Ugh. But even the long term growth is still not guaranteed, right? Keeping on the theme of Jessica's horror stories of homeownership. <laughs> I bought my first house in 2009, right after the market crashed, I got a great deal on my house. I stayed there for 10 years. And when it finally sold, it went for less than $5,000 than I paid for it. Wait, seriously, how did that happen? <laughs> it's a long story, but ultimately another developer came in and started building new houses in the development for much cheaper than the original developer. So it's a one-off situation, but history is paved with all of these one-off situations, right? And of course, if I had waited another year, it would have been worth a lot more. But I didn't know that at the time, right? And oddly enough, I doubt I would have done anything differently. I was ready to move out. I had actually stayed there longer than I wanted to because the house wasn't sellable with the new homes that were going in. I felt very trapped. Trapped is an interesting word here. You know, I mean, there's recent research showing that even those super fortunate people who were able to buy during the pandemic are already regretting their purchases. And now I happen to be somebody who also bought during the pandemic. Uh, I, I don't regret it. But uh, I mean, there's a lot of surveys and studies that are showing that something like anywhere from 75 to 90 percent of people regret their purchases from the past few years. And many of those buyers feel trapped. You've got a house that you can't afford, but at the same time, you, you can afford it slightly with this super low interest rate. Um, and the problem is, is if you leave, you'll likely have to downgrade, but still spend just as much money on the house and then pay a lot more in interest or worse, spend more on your next house just to keep up with the quality of your current house and then pay a lot more at the interest rates on top of it. There's also the specter of another issue here, which is people who relocated away from the office due to promises of indefinite uh, or unlimited remote work, who are now either losing their jobs or being told that they have to move back because management has decided that they need to come back into the office so they can stare at the back of their heads and their cubicles while they work. God, I hate city society. Um, you can cut that out. Sorry. Oh, we're keeping it. <laughs> Just all, all the all the mean feelings diamond. that sleep. All the mean feelings that slip out during these conversations, Jess, that's where the truth is. 
Honestly, my heart goes out to a lot of people right now. In the past few years, homeownership has become unattainable for most people. I know rent is going up at breakneck speeds as well, but renting still allows you flexibility and doesn't come with huge upfront costs like buying a house does. At the end of the day, my flowchart for buying a house is simple. Are you ready to buy a house and stay in it for at least a few years? If yes, and you can afford it, then go for it. If not, keep renting. Well, if you're ready to jump into the money pit that is home ownership, then yes, buy a house. Or you can just keep renting and enjoy calling your landlord every time you need a light bulb changed. Fleece Fests is produced by Daniel Yerker and Jessica Gettle. Daniel Yerker is an investment advisor representative of My Wealth Planners, a registered investment advisor in Colorado. And Jessica Gettle is an investment advisor representative of Pavilion Financial Planning, a registered investment advisor in Pennsylvania. Our theme song is Dr. Yes by Yari. Nothing discussed in this podcast is investment advice or any other form of advice. And the podcast is for education and entertainment purposes. If you make investments or other financial decisions because of the podcast, frankly, you weren't listening. Well, folks, thanks for listening. Uh, We're going to take a break for the holidays as we come in here to the end of December, but we'll be back in January to discuss the related problems of treating real estate like it's easy passive income.